0: Good morning church. Today's scripture reading is from the Gospel of John, 10th chapter verses 22 to 30 and I'm reading from the common English Bible translation. The time came for the festival dedication in Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was in the temple walking in the covered porch named for Solomon. The Jewish opposition circled around him and asked, How will you test our patience? How long will you test our patience? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, but you don't believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you don't believe because you don't belong to my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never die, and no one will snatch snatch them from my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them from my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. This is the word of the Lord.
1: I'm not actually going to preach. I'm here to introduce Father James Allison. Um, James is a world-renowned theologian of super significant, in in the world of people who care about theology, uh, James has done a lot of really significant work, particularly on atonement and how there actually is no violence in God. Um, and And that is really important because it's true and right, and also. A lot of this connects to other parts of James' work because this theology that he's working on or working to dismantle sort of this rigid structure of, like, transactional sacrifice so you can get saved if you do the right things and obey the right laws, that that is sort of the underpinning of how the church has excluded the queer community. So James is doing a lot of, like very good, precise theological work. Well, and James also works with a lot of uh, queer Christian groups around the world. And amongst other things, James introduced us to our good friend, Onyx, who was uh, working in Kenya with, uh, with queer refugees. And that, of course, has been a great relationship for our church with his organization, Madrepa, and he as a person who's now here with us today. So James is, uh, that is to say, James is, we are grateful because of James' reading of the Bible that has influenced many of us, and because he is a friend. And we are so uh, glad to have you join us today. So, will you please join me in welcoming James Allison?
2: Is that working not yet, not yet. hello
1: yeah.
2: great excellent well thank you very much indeed it's a great pleasure to be here it's not my first time here and it gets better each time because we know each other more so it's it's lovely to be here and I'm thrilled at last to meet onyx in the flesh having previously zoomed with him from africa i mean his being in africa not me um, and of course many old friends here whom it's delightful to be with you so good shepherd sunday as you say i was very glad that a staff made its appearance nice big staff your your bishop your pastor and there was a particularly lovely sheep there which i didn't think got enough of a didn't think got enough of a visible boost but there we are where does this image of Shepherd come from well in the Hebrew scriptures it comes principally in the book of Ezekiel and that's what's in the background to Jesus's use of it and it's about how the shepherds of Israel which could mean either the kings or the priests Or the strange mixture of the two which ran the show over time uh, were mistreating Israel such that eventually God said I will myself come amongst my people and I will be their Shepherd so what we're looking at here is Jesus fulfilling part of the long-standing Ezekiel promise that God would God's self come and be the shepherd but Jesus doesn't just use the image of a shepherd which people would have known from pastoral issues there are two quite specific bits of if you like imagery which are in the background to today's gospel and the first is just something about how ordinary shepherding worked in the ancient Palestinian world and maybe even in the modern Palestinian world which was that in a village or a small town, there would be several flocks of sheep with several different owners. But for reasons of economy of scale, there would be one sheep pen that would be the village's sheep pen with one person whose job it was to watch over it at night, the porter. And the shepherds would take the sheep out each day and bring them back at night. But that means, guess what? During the night, endless sheep muddle. The sheep would all get all mixed up. And that was why it was important, why the shepherd's voice was important. Because in fact, sheep do recognize their shepherd's voice. (laughs) It was hearing the voice they would know to go out. They would separate themselves from the other sheep and they would follow. Why? Because they had got used to that voice since they were lambkins. They would get used to the voice, and so they would know who they were to follow. And perhaps if the shepherd used dogs, they would recognize the bark of the, uh, of the dog as well. So this business of recognizing the voice is not simply a metaphor. <laughs> it's something real. It's actually how you get a particular group of sheep out of a sheep soup, a sheep muddle, into following you. So it's worth, it's worth remembering that that's the original image which he uses. There is actually a build up over time. It takes time for the sheep to learn this, but they get used to following a voice. And that is the way they're separated out and the way they're brought out and brought back in again so that's the first image Jesus uses and when he says that first people's reaction is like yeah and and so what because he's just said to them something that is perfectly straightforward agricultural knowledge so what he then says and here he shifts the image If you remember is I am the gate of the sheep or I am the sheep gate now I don't know whether any of you have been to Jerusalem or have studied ancient Jerusalem but there was a gate in the wall of Jerusalem called the sheep gate and what was the purpose of the sheep gate well the temple required a phenomenal number of sheep to be sacrificed, to keep its sacrificial system going. And the Sheep Gate was the way in. But Jesus says he's a different sort of Sheep Gate, because the Sheep Gate was only a way in. You had as much chance of coming out of the Sheep Gate as you had in getting in a train out of Auschwitz. It didn't happen, <laughs> but he's saying the Shepherd gives his life for his sheep, I lay it down and I take it up again and people will be able to go in and come out with me. In other words, he's gonna undo the sacrificial system of sheep in the temple and he even hints as much by saying the true Shepherd goes in by the gate and comes out those who are not the true Shepherd but are hirelings come in by some other way and I don't know if any of you have ever stood at Solomon's portico have any of you been to Jerusalem yep if you stand at Solomon's Solomon's portico one of the things that you can see is actually the priests way onto the temple mound in other words the other way that people came in the people who were not the true shepherds of the sheep but who were there to kill and the the word is used is the word to sacrifice so he's even making a pun with a visual background them at the time the way the other shepherds come in <laughs> who are not the true shepherds they don't really care about the sheep obviously he's talking about the way in which people just sacrifice people and he says when the wolf comes along these ones run away they're just harlings they're just paid to do a job they're not actually loving the people they're looking after he's prepared to enter into the sacrificial mechanism Undergo it himself so that people need no longer be frightened of where they're going and they can go in and out because no longer run by death and sacrifice and its fear. Which brings us to this week's gospel. Do you remember last week you had Jesus? trying to nudge Peter into recognizing what had been going on. You remember that, first of all, the disciples are in a boat because Peter has decided to take them into a boat. They don't catch anything. And then Jesus is on the shore. They don't recognize him. But he just shouts out, lads, try the other side. And they do, and they start bringing in a lot of fish, at which point the beloved disciple recognizes it is the Lord. So, in the case of the beloved disciple, it was a mixture of the voice and the hall that let him know that it was the Lord. And he says to Peter, It's the Lord. Peter hasn't picked up that it's the Lord. Peter immediately, being the impetuous fellow that he is, puts his clothes on and rushes ashore because he now wants to see the Lord. So, after they've all had breakfast, around a brazier, exactly like the brazier at which Peter had betrayed Jesus. And the word in Greek is the same. Peter, So Jesus then walks Peter through being forgiven, the loving and the liking, loving and the liking. And then when he says it the third time, do you like me then Peter cries he's very hurt and he says Lord you know everything (laughs) in other words he's realized that he's been brought to the brazier so that he can undo his betrayal (laughs) there where he had betrayed and not been a friend he's being known And still is able to be loved. That's his key moment. And in this gospel, we get the three key words My sheep hear my voice, which Peter hadn't. (laughs) Do you remember? And I know them. And Peter had had to go through this process of becoming known. And they follow me. Peter had actually constantly tried to run ahead. So Jesus' last words to Peter are, follow me. So today's gospel takes us back to Jesus' Good Shepherd discourse, but after the resurrection, when Jesus has laid down his life and has lifted it up again so that people like Peter, like Mary Magdalene, like Thomas, like us can have all our tendencies not to hear, not to be known, not to follow, undone from within by the risen life coming into our midst. And we're taken back to that. And we're given the example of Jesus walking in the portico of Solomon, where that view could be had. And the regime's members and its adepts coming up to him And saying will you tell us plainly if you're the Messiah they want a definition something clear and precise that they can hold on to and Jesus knows that that's a hopeless way of being a Messiah if that's the sort of Messiah you are you get people for you and against you Then you need to sacrifice people so as to keep your position. You become a bad leader. So he says, I've told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me. Now he's not adducing the works as an argument. He's showing that for those who have begun to follow him, he has begun to take them into a new place of discovering who his father is. And that is what revealing who the Messiah, the true shepherd is, is all about. It's something you don't get from a definition. It's something you get from a practice over time, a sideways practice over time. So he says, literally, I've been leading you on, not in the bad sense in which someone can lead someone on, but showing you who I am and inducting you. You are not of my sheep. You've stood outside the process. You just want a definition, someone you can be for or against. That will only be a sacrificial leader, the sort who needs to hold on to their position And in order to hold on to their position, people will have to be sacrificed for them. I am not that sort of leader. I'm the sort who gives his life and then takes it up again. Because that's the way not to cause any stumbling blocks to my followers. If you have to follow someone but you're not quite certain when they're going to discard you because you're not useful to their project that's a (laughs) hireling. but if it's someone who you know won't cause you to stumble because they're prepared to die for you then you can follow them wholeheartedly and then you can be given wholeness of heart as they come to life in you which is exactly what Jesus had promised you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep my sheep hear my voice I know them and they follow me exactly what he'd been inducting Peter into last Sunday and now speaking to us as risen Lord he's saying that's what it looks like to be shepherded by me to be taken into the place where because you've heard my voice you can begin to find yourselves co-natural with my voice, able to understand when it's a voice that is not taking you into scandal, when it's a voice that's not leading you into setting yourself up for a fall, but when it's a voice that you know is safe because he gives his life and takes it up, because he's the gate of the sheep, so that even in a sacrificial world, he can lead you in and take you out because he's done that before how not to be frightened I give them eternal life I give them abundant life and they will never perish he's made available the life of God for us in non-scandalized following that little by little we find ourselves becoming co-natural with it, such that we're already beginning to live the next life here, in the midst of all its troubles and woes. We're being built up. We can't be snatched away. The kind of people who snatch away, only snatch away people who've hardly got any belonging at all to the following. They can be snatched away because it's only a matter of a definition. (laughs) not of a being taken into life. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else. It's the Creator who has been making available through me the possibility that you will be recreated from within. And as part of the new creation, you cannot be snatched away. Because it's the Creator who's holding you in being. And then he says, the Father and I are one, confirming that this is what the promise of Ezekiel looks like. It doesn't look like a powerful leader coming to rally the troops. It looks like someone giving themselves away and allowing their life to be brought into our lives so that we become co-natural. And as we follow this path and this is where it becomes experiential over time we're aware that we are known. We're aware that it's not just us knowing something as we are led along, but from time to time, we get glimpses. oh yes just as he knew Peter in the midst of that betrayal and he honored Peter's insistence that he Peter loved him he didn't say to Peter you don't really love me do you he took him to the place allowed himself to undergo being forgiven and then took his best account of himself, Peter's best account of himself, and said, I'm going to honor that. You are to be that. You are going to be who you aspired to be, even when you couldn't live up to it. That's what I'm giving you. Follow me. In other words, we find ourselves suddenly known. We think, oh my god, all that screw up. That's me. And he's not shaming me for that. He's calling me into being through that and asking me to become a witness through that so that I may not scandalize others and we may quietly share the kingdom in which we're being brought to life. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit.